the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Does President Trump actually need our prayers right now? And later, we're talking about the next generation with our fun intern, Jacob Fatma. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Thursday evening. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. So glad that you are with us today. This is kind of fun, but we've had an intern from Wheaton College in the studio this week. And later, we're going to have a conversation with him about the next generation and some things that they want and how they want to fit in. So I am looking forward to that. Uh, Before we do, we want to remind you that we are partnering all month long with an organization that Brian and I are really passionate about, SOS International. And SOS is an organization you can trust. They've been on the ground in Central Asia and Latin America, building relationships in communities, setting women and young children free from just horrific situations of human trafficking. I mean, the stories that they tell us, like they're literally rescuing little girls from cages. So... You know, sometimes I know people don't like to hear that because it can sound sensational. But the reason that we tell you that is because it's true. There's real evil happening around the world to God's children. And you can actually be a part of helping set them free, bringing rescue and healing and hope to these little kids again around the world um, all month long. And so what we'd love to invite you to do is go to our website, 1160hope.com. Click on that SOS International banner. Your best gift of $150 goes towards a month of healing, holistic care, rescue. And uh, we're doing something kind of special this month because it's my birthday and because I love SOS International. For um, donors who give $300, you'll get a free copy of my book, Known, How Believing Who God Says You Are are changes everything. But again, I mean, give 150, give 300, give a thousand if you have it or give $10. Like anything you can give will go to the glory of God and to making a difference in the lives of these young women and young girls. Um, all right, Brian, we're going to kind of do a hard, hard transition here. Want to talk about someone who is a polarizing figure, uh, to say the least. I don't know if you've heard of him. His name is former president Donald Trump. Uh, I'm a, I'm aware. I'm okay. aware. Okay. We know that there are many uh, Christian leaders in certain camps that are big Donald Trump supporters. And recently, uh, actually on my birthday, Franklin Graham tweeted something about uh, Donald Trump needing prayer. Can I read it to you? And let's just have a conversation about it because I had Go some questions. Okay. Go for it. So he says, we need to pray for our country and where it is headed. The left in Washington and across the country just can't get their fill of attacking Donald Trump. They are so paranoid of him. The onslaught against him is continual. There's no question the media and the left manipulated the last election, and they are scared to death of Donald Trump's possible return. So night after night, the media runs negative stories about former President Trump. Now they're talking about the possibility of arresting him in the hopes that this would prevent him from running for president again. This would be a huge mistake. The charges against him are definitely politically 
motivated. And then he says, I would like to ask Christians across the country to pray specifically for former President Donald Trump, that God's hand would be upon him, protect him and direct him in every step he takes and that God's will be done. We need to work together to strengthen this nation, not divide and destroy it here. I I have a few thoughts because I feel like that was a really um, heavy handed tweet that had a lot of subtext. Yes. That was just beyond let's pray for the president. Uh, Not all of it subtext, some of it pretty, uh, pretty out there. But just give me your feedback. Yeah, there is a lot going on there. It is. So let's take it at its surface. Do we want to pray for our leaders? Sure. So, you know, calling to prayer, I suppose. It always bothers me when certain religious leaders only ask you to pray for people on one side of the aisle. Right. Uh, But that's that's another conversation. But two, um, this idea, anytime political people use the term the left or the right as Mm -hmm. like this monolithic thing, you know it's going to be very... Um, kind of one-sided, yeah. right? And yeah. so, um, you know, Franklin Graham here seems to think the the election was stolen, which mm-hmm. he speaks of that like that is a given. Yeah, right? he speaks and, of that as if everyone is just like, oh, yes, we all know assumed. that, right? Uh, I would say, I, while, you know, we want justice and President Trump, may, former President Trump may face charges on this, I, I do believe it's the quickest way to get him reelected. <laughs> like, I don't know that it's a great move. Yeah. But but there is something to be. We should want our leaders on both sides of the aisle to be held accountable yeah. for things they may or may not do. Can I read a quick quote? Another quote for you, please. This quote's from 1998, uh, which interestingly is when President Clinton was in office. The quote says, the God of the Bible says that what one does in private does matter if he will lie to or mislead his wife and daughter, those with whom he is most intimate. What will prevent him from doing the same with the American public? Mm. Private private conduct does have public consequences. And obviously that speaker was speaking about former President Clinton at the time, right? That was the Monica Lewinsky scandal. Can I give you one guess who made that quote? Bush. That quote was made by Franklin Graham. No. <laughs> so it speaks to Aubrey. Ugh. We 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 hold basically who we're going to vote for. We hold them to different standards. different standards. We hold them to different this. Yep. I think President Trump and his family, I think a lot of politicians have done things a lot worse than what he's about to get in trouble for. Like mm. there does feel like there could be some political motivation here. It's coming at a strange time. Whatever. We also believe that conduct matters yeah. and stuff that's happens, right? Right? Like the whole thing is, did he pay hush money to this porn star? Right. You're like, well, why is Franklin Graham all okay with a guy paying hush money for a porn star? But beyond that, like, is it legal? Where did that money come from? And again, uh, it could be a low felony. It could only be a misdemeanor. But, uh, you know, what's the re? At some point, we should be able to say, hey, we don't want our leaders doing things that are against the law, that are suspicious, that are shady, that are this or that, as opposed to it really feels like, Aubrey, we've gotten to the point on both sides of the aisle where we go, eh, politicians, they do these things. They do whatever they want. They do these things. And it, it... and we've raised the bar like they have to do things that are so outside of the box to get in trouble for it that people are like, eh, hush money to a to a uh, 
to a porn star, this is a witch hunt or, you know, eh, January 6th, whatever. Like we yeah. don't seem to want to know what really happens. And yeah. so therefore we get politicians who do shady things. I think what's so disturbing to me about this is we get we've always had politicians do shady things like you've said. Mm-hmm. But now we've got the backing of evangelistic leaders. And yes. and this is not I mean, this is very like Trump era. Right. But for Franklin Graham not to say, let's also pray for President Trump, who may have paid hush money and had an untoward relationship with a porn star. Like, mm-hmm. it's like there's no acknowledgement of like the man's lack of integrity, the man's sin, the man's lies, the man's hypocrisy. Instead, it's like everyone's out to get him. Well, no, maybe people are just holding him accountable for his, his sin and yep. his criminal behavior. And I, I this is the part, I feel like there's such a blind spot when it comes to Trump where you can't go, he's like untouchable. Like you can't say, this is not the man we want leading our country because he's not a man of integrity. But instead to see Christian leaders go, this is pray for him because He's supposed to lead our country. I mean, the subtext of pray for him is vote for him. We want him to win. Like, I'm going to be honest. Like, I think Franklin Graham is using Christianese to say something else. But it's it's been so disturbing and shocking to me. Now, I will say there's a lot of evangelistic Christian leaders who have said no, like, absolutely Mm -hmm. not. This is a certain portion. But then this is what people think evangelical Christianity is too. So yeah, it's fair. I just wish people would be more honest. They would just go, listen, I'm going to vote for president Trump, no matter what, listen, yeah. I'm going to yeah. vote for, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden or Barack Obama, no matter what I like their policies. I like, what, but to hold our politicians up as martyrs who are taking the bullets from, I'm using air quotes here, the left, or right. the right, right. As if like they're laying in the line of fire, protecting us. And when he gets, you know, arrested. It's really just a shot at all. I know. It's so ridiculous. Like poor Donald Trump. I would just respect the people so much more if they said, listen, uh, I'm going to vote for him. I like his policies more. Right. The hush money doesn't bother me. Right. Uh, I can look, I can look over that for the quote unquote greater good and vote for all and pray for all of our politicians, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pray for Donald Trump, pray for Ron DeSantis, pray for Joe Biden, pray for all these people. We we tend to make the call for prayer for our leaders only for the leaders. Only that we for like. the ones that we, you're so right. It would be so much more respectful to be like, look, I, I'm going to overlook this stuff because this is the guy I want in office. I think I think Donald Trump, he, he's got a lot of moral issues. I think a lot of our politicians do. I also get why people vote for him. I oh, personally do you? didn't. I don't. But, but I get it. Yeah. I understand it. If you're if you're really just like, hey, I'm, but don't. Don't hold Don't one to one it. standard. Don't hold one to one standard and another. Just own it. Just go yeah. listen. I like his policies more fit my what I think the country needs, and I'm going to vote for him. And if not for him, somebody like him. Yeah. And just own it. Just and leave that, it at that. Leave the Christianese. Leave the martyrdom talk. Mm. Leave the uh, he's you know the the. The chosen one, uh, the chosen one of the gospel, all yeah. of this stuff. Just leave that alone. Yeah. Go, a politician is a politician. I'm going to vote for him for these yeah. reasons. And you could rip me for it. But, man, you're right. When we cloak it in God's chosen, a martyr, this, that, this is why people go, wow, the church is really in bed with that person. Yes. Or that party. And as opposed to like. As an American, this is who I want to be president. Yeah. And we can debate that. That's where yeah. it gets me. Like, yeah. it's not even, 
I get it. I, I get why people. It's not even who you vote for. It's just the way we're like having the conversation about is what you're saying. But the eye rolls, I'm sure, in Christians and non-Christians in reading all the subtext of this tweet are uh, countless. The yeah. eye rolls are all yeah. over the place. Yeah, yeah. Wild, wild stuff. All right. Well, coming up next, we are joined by Jacob Fatma, Wheaton College student, to talk about the next generation and some of the things they're after. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. And we are thrilled because we've got an intern who's been in the office all week. His name is Jacob Fatma, a junior at Wheaton College. The alma mater. The alma mater. We're like a Wheaton College central kind of place sometimes, I be. feel like. If yeah. We can be. They need to give us some free, I don't know, <laughs> I need free grad school. Or something there because of all the plugs we give. Sure, them. yeah, you know, you know, our plugs are worth free grad school. They are. <laughs> you tell them that, Jacob. You tell them I said that. I mean, I don't know how much influence I have here, but I mean, I can try. Not that Jacob, much. probably not that much. Brian's negative. I think you have all the influence. So Jacob's been here interning because he's interested in some type of radio or communication, and so we thought it'd be fun to bring him on to hear kind of his journey. But also, as I've said on the show, I'm doing Wheaton College's chapel on friday and i actually wanted to pick the brain of a college student so i feel like god just planted you here mostly for me jacob just so you know mostly for me mostly for me it's the way you work (laughs) (laughs) okay so before i start uh, making you write my message for me um tell us a little bit about kind of what you're interested in what you're studying at school why you're here yeah so when i came to college i really want to do law that was like my main focus oh cool uh, I, I was a political science and law student, and then I got to the point where a lot of law became uh, how you could argue the best and a lot less about justice and uh, what, like was actually interesting. like good for, uh, for law and for the person. So mm-hmm. I kind of you know, became dis- dissatisfied with it, dropped it, and uh, I got in the box at uh, – we hosted the conference track meet a couple – or like last spring, I think – yeah. And uh, I just loved it. I loved being on the mic. I loved being doing all that stuff. <laughs> so in the box is code for you're commenting on the games, yeah, right? Sir. Okay. I uh, I was the uh, stadium mic for the oh, entire nice. time. So that was oh, fun. Oh, that's cool. Um, so then you thought, this is where I yeah, want to go. Like, this is where I want to go. Do you still have a be. passion for like justice and where that's going to... Nope, just sports. He's done. He's like, sports only. <laughs> just sports justice. This has got to be a thing. I, I'm not... Uh, I still have a very strong passion for justice and what's right, but I think I'm not well served doing that. Sure. In, in law, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob, I, I, we told you this off air, but people should know... You, He's like my protege. I was just thinking like, that. He's I, like Minnie Ryan. It's no longer WETN. Like, it's different now. But yes. when I was at Wheaton, the station was WETN. Marcus Brown, who is our program director here uh-huh. at the station, was my program director there. Yep. And I was the sports guy there. So yep. this is like... I know. This is fun. It's like you're... I almost said a mini-me. He's influence. much taller than he me. Is. But I, <laughs> he's, your, he's your big mini-me. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you the first question, Jacob, because we, we, we really want to talk to you about chapel. Because Aubrey's speaking there on Friday. But my memories of chapel were, <laughs> they, they were, they were, they were hit or miss. I don't have we'll great memories because I was asleep a lot. We'll put chapel. them in hit or miss. What is the thing that Aubrey should avoid There we go. Doing? Oh, I'm taking notes what on What should she not do? Yes. Because I've given her ideas of what she should do. She should tell jokes. She needs to lean in and be like, I used to sleep in chapel. Like all, you should he point wants out me where just to tell like Wheaton stories I nonstop. Do, I do. But what shouldn't she do where you're like, oh, another one of these? Yeah. Yeah. Like if you start just like prefacing it with what you're going to talk about and it's like the same old, same old. Yeah. Like, uh, if you preface it like every other chapel, then it's yeah. not going to be great. Okay, if you so preface no preface. It more, 
Okay. But I think like you were Take saying, with jokes. Okay. And like pull the if you pull the audience in a little yeah. bit more, okay. it tends to Okay. Help if you make it so they like, aren't looking at their phones in the first uh, that's 15, be 20 tricky. seconds. Not looking at their phones. Story. Man. So you need to own it. You need to lean into it and be like, get off your phones. No. Or if I were coming to school here, I'd probably be on my phone. But like I would lean in. I'm like, guys, I've got the greatest story from my time here at college. And you need to just lean into this. I wish our producer who's at the other side could could be in here. Because even though I've asked for Jacob's help, I feel like I'm being mansplained. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. I want you. Well, maybe like. <laughs> I want you to succeed. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I have a better idea. Jacob and I should be in the back. <laughs> We should have a. We should have a. a you guys like hold up signs we or should be have, like. No, a, no, not signs. We should be live on the air, <gasps> critiquing com- as commentators of your chat. That was though. a strong intro story, but then she <laughs> lost us when she transitioned. Look at all these people on their phones oh, right now. Oh, that's good. Okay, so start with story, pull the audience, and don't preface like, "Here's what we'll be talking and like, about." Maybe today. avoid like the the say like, "Oh, you know, like be on the phones. Don't do that. Like, don't, don't preface with that, that because we that. had like three speakers already this yeah, semester dumb. do that. Yeah. It was a little okay. That's Good I'm definitely not going to right, do ask that. Him your serious question. Do I make so. a joke about how I fell asleep in chapel as an undergrad? Oh, definitely. Okay, See? make the undergrad joke. You, if, okay. If you made fun of, in a lighthearted way, one professor in that room. No, I'm not doing it. But tell them you're going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. That's but sweet. I will make a joke about falling asleep in chapel. Okay. Okay. Um, do you have any other questions? No, no. I want you to have your serious Any time. other things I should avoid? I think that's just about it. I mean, okay. I think you're going to do great. Okay. So. Okay. Here's a serious Jacob question, won't be though. There oh, Jacob's not going to be there, but, there, but <laughs> I can't be like, Jacob, Fama, <laughs> um, okay, Jacob, here's a serious question. So the text I'm preaching on is Acts 8, where Simon the sorcerer essentially tries to buy the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's for his own name and glory, not because he actually cares about the common good. Um, Nod to the name of our show, The Common Good. Um, We'll get to that. The question that I really did have, and I actually texted some younger friends. So it's a power grab. This is basically a power struggle that's happening. What are some ways that college students at Wheaton or just in general are grasping for power? Because I think it probably looked different for Brian and I are Gen Xers. It, that looks different in even our adulthood as parents than it does for college students. So I'm not expecting you to be an expert on this, but do you have thoughts? Like, does anything come to mind? What's the struggle for power or influence in your generation? Yeah. So I see like, you know, in high school, you have, have like your popular kids, right? Mm-hmm. And in college, obviously, it's too big of a space to have that. But you do still yeah. have people like kind of like that to an extent. Like, we jokingly call them, like, the Wheaton elite, whatever. It's kind of like, funny, like <laughs> yeah. Aha. Uh-huh. But, um, like, they do exist to okay. an extent. They're the ones who are, like, you see it more often. Like, they are, like, in, uh, like, the CVC offices. They're in the SI, like, different uh, collegiate offices uh-huh. throughout. And they, and then it usually starts, like, before their freshman year, even. Like, they're on social media getting at people, trying to mm. connect with people on campus before they get here. It's yeah. almost a grab at just attention and wanting to ah. like the big the big power thing is attention and wanting to have different like uh, groups of people all know you and like like you to an extent okay so to be yes. known and to be liked i mean that's human I right knew these people at wheaton where they was like they knew everybody but were friends with nobody yeah I yeah that's so good and what do you think the heart of it is i want attention i want to be liked i want to be known like what's underneath I want to stand it stand out Maybe. Yeah, I think a lot of people want to just 
be different, but in the way they're doing that, they're just being the same, which is also an interesting Fascinating thing so as well. it's funny you say this about being different. Let's pull on that thread for another minute or so because that I keep hearing that as the theme that that I don't want to keep saying your generation. That makes me sound old, but I mean it's fair. But that <laughs> your generation, fade. there is sort of this value, almost idolatry of different. I'm mm-hmm. different. I'm special. Here's the thing. I but it does end up being the same. Yes. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah, I think it's like the. Uh, like I know, generally, like I think I w- I love to be different. I love to be yeah. like, the one that's out there. Yeah. But in general, when most of us do that, we end up still wanting to fit in with a group. Yeah. We want to be different, but in order to truly be different, you can't try be trying to fit in with different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Different themes and different people, and when these uh, the people who are trying to go out and be friends with everybody and are yeah. kind of like, you know, they have a couple really close friends, uh-huh. but they're really friends with nobody. Yeah. They end up being very exclusive also in those yeah. ways, which is also not, you know, doing what they want to be doing as well. So Good. that's so interesting. So kind of grabbing attention, wanting to have different groups of people know you, wanting to be like, does a lot of that happen on social media or not necessarily? I mean, for me personally, I don't think it does because I tend to they probably go more of his route of just not. You're hiding. Yeah, I really don't. <laughs> um, but I, I do think it can happen on social media. You have, I jokingly see like every freshman, like freshman girl that comes to Wheaton, they have like the same types of photos that happen every semester. Interesting. And it's like the fir- first ones where they f- first went to the market in Wheaton and then they did all the <laughs> other things. Like they first went to the city with this, with this group, right? <laughs> These photos with every group. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like they're all doing these things to show that they're fun and they're doing something yeah, different. But okay. everyone is also still doing it. Yeah. Okay. This is so helpful. Aubrey, you, you need to tell a story of like how you tried to fit in yeah. and stand out. You had yeah. pink hair at Wheaton. I did. Like it's that, true. That should come oh, that out. That would have been fascinating. Yeah. See? There yeah. you go. I had my eyebrow was pierced at Wheaton. Yeah. Jacob, my last question is how mad would you be if you were Aubrey's co-host and she didn't mention the show during chapel? <laughs> Like, on a scale, like, that's reason to be angry, right? I don't know if there's a reason to be angry, yeah, but I also think... Yeah, not a reason to be angry. I, I also it. think that it would be important to let people know that you actually do other things uh, okay. other than speak. Okay, okay. She usually shares all those other things, yeah. except... Yeah, I'll, I'll share that. All right, Jacob Fava is a junior at Wheaton College helping me write my message for Friday's Chapel, and uh, so excited. Jacob, thanks so thanks, much Jacob. for joining us. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Um, Brian, you have an event to tell us about that I'm actually really excited about. Yeah, let's talk about this. Outreach Ministries is celebrating 50 years of transforming lives and communities. So you can join them for an evening of worship with Grammy-nominated and Dove Award winner Carrie Job on Saturday, April 22nd at Willow Creek in South Barrington. AM 1160 is giving away tickets to this concert. So uh, to enter, to win, visit 1160hope.com. Use the keyword Job. That's J-O. O-B-E, 1160hope.com, keyword Job. That's going to be an awesome concert. Oh, that is going to be so amazing. I hope I can go. She's so good, and um, Outreach is such a cool organization. So, yeah, that's going to be a great night. Great night. I think Kevin's out of town for that, so I'll have to take the boys or something. Okay. Um, Okay, so yesterday, this is kind of crazy, or maybe it was a couple days ago, Brian, I 
got to interview a friend of ours or someone we like to we admire, I guess, Pastor Tim Challies, a guy who we you've interviewed him before on the Common Good. And I did. We, you were not there that week. Yeah, but that was with uh, yeah with Steve Coble. So we and, and the interesting thing is on our show we spend ten minutes with people. Uh, you got to be part of a podcast where it's more like 45 minutes. So yeah, very it's more different long kind of feel. Yeah. So I got to sit down with him for a while and talk about his experience of grief and the loss of his son, Nick. And he's somebody that you and I really admire and, you know, read his read his blog posts and stuff quite a bit. You can find them at Chally's.com. But I wanted to kind of it's kind of funny, like double dipping my podcast communication world, but I wanted to share with you some of the things that we talked about because it was so good. And he may have said some of these things to you on the common good, but because I got to have a little bit longer time with him. So if for people who don't know, Tim Challies is a pastor and an elder at his church in Ontario, Canada. Mm -hmm. And he um, lost his son uh, suddenly in 2020 which I didn't realize it was 2020. Like, I didn't know it was in the midst of COVID. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That he lost his son. So his son was at an American school uh, studying to become a pastor. And they were playing like he said Frisbee or some game like that. And he just had some event, just fell down, in. died. And his sister, yeah. Tim Challey's daughter, was there and witnessed the whole thing, which I didn't know that either. Ooh. And he was engaged to be married. Yeah, he right? was engaged like, to be married. I mean, he had his whole life in front of him. So it's interesting you say that, Brian, because that was a question I asked him. We talked about how do you kind of process not just the loss, but the fact that he had his whole life ahead of him. Mm. And here's what Tim Challey said. And I, I can't remember, so I can't quote him word for word. Sure, but sure. he said he actually didn't have his whole life in front of him because God had numbered his days. And so he said, any, any thinking that my wife and I had about him getting married, him being a pastor, him was only in our imagination. Oh, and I had to sit with that for a minute. Like, wow. So I've never heard that perspective. Like that makes some sense. Heard that perspective either. I'm trying to think if that's comforting or not. How do you take that? So I, 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 I had a, as I've processed it, it took me a minute to process. I've processed it a couple ways. I don't think you start there in grief. Right. Like, I think that is a place you eventually get to where you go, okay, God, not my will, but your will. I trust mm. that you do have our days numbered, that you knew exactly how many days my son Nick was supposed to be here. And that because of your goodness and your good pleasure, that was the amount of time you allotted to him. But I don't think you can get there without really grieving the dreams and the mm. wishes and the desires and the, I, and, and Tim ne- didn't say all of that, the in-between piece, he was definitely mm-hmm. at a certain place, but that was something I had never heard anybody say before. I've never either, but it also makes, Sense. I agree with you. You've got to get to that, but that's not, that's not you the don't starting start there. point. I actually don't think it's healthy to start there, to be honest. I don't, but it's interesting that I've never really thought of it in that way because never. it actually makes logical sense. Doesn't like, it? Yeah. We dreamed about what his future would be, but he didn't have a future. Like, right. Daddy, I don't know why I'm rocked and shook by it. I was rocked that. and that's shook really by it. Something. I was too, Brian. It was, it was really something. I mean, and and I think said only by someone who really trusts 
God. Like, only someone who trusts God could land at that place. My son had the right amount of days he was supposed to have. Mm. And he did say, and look, he's fine. He's in heaven. Like, I get to see him again. Like, you know, he's not, he's not mourning over the days he lost. We are. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the other thing he said. Like, he had a few of these, like, uh, mic drop moments where I was like, whoa. Um, he called the, the, his son dying at a young age a precious treasure. And I okay. said, what do you mean Unpack by that? that? Yeah. And he said, he said, I didn't always think of it this way, but it's like God said, I am going to take your son. That's a sorrow for you to steward. And it's precious, meaning weighty, heavy, has value here. Like God is entrusting Tim Challies with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's he going to do with it? That was something I had never heard before either. That one's hard. That uh-huh. feels like a certain type of person who would embrace that kind of like anyone who's read Tim Challey's reading uh, writings. And that's where he got made his name, right? He's a very prolific blogger. Yes. And this, and that. Yes. And has been for years. He was one of the first Christian bloggers. That's yes. why we read him so much. Unbelievable wisdom. He's got that weightiness to him. Mm-hmm. That it feels like I can picture somebody like him embracing that thought, whereas other people I could see that being crushing, absolutely, and opening the door to a lot of very deep theological questions about yeah. God. So he uh, basically landed on God is a giver, not a taker. God is good and can't not be good, and so we have to assume that for whatever reason, this is good. I also wrestled with that. I mean, I'm not going to be honest. Like some of the things he said, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if I can get there. You know, I think there's, I think there's hardship and evil in this world and you have to name it as such. So, but his, he landed on God's sovereignty and God's providence again and again and again. He is, he is very much planting himself in God's sovereignty to the point that maybe some of us wouldn't be willing to, obviously we yeah. all believe God's sovereign, yes. and, but he believes it to the point of God chose to yep. take my son. Yes. And a lot of people will be like, yes, absolutely. But Not I'm just trying to unpack what Tim Challey mm-hmm. said here. Mm-hmm. God, it wasn't the evil of this world that caused my son to have a broken body. That it wasn't he died. broken. It wasn't sin. It wasn't. And yeah. God's redeeming it. And God's going to work in and through this. He's saying, no, God said, today's the day. Like, you, this, your days are up. I'm yep. taking you. Yep. And those of you who are left behind, mm-hmm. uh, you will bring, you can bring glory to me with, by how you process yes. and steward your steward. word, his That's word. That's what he, he said, steward loss. of sorrow. Mm-hmm. I see where he gets it. I there's do a too. Lot that there's a lot that I re- need to really wrestle. I'm trying to put myself in his shoes and try to think if that would be helpful or harder. I don't know. That's your son. So I, and I kept asking him, are you, do your wife and you see different? Cause I wondered if some of this was like, is this a, how a certain, certain type of man is responding versus how maybe like a mom would respond. And he said, certainly we grieve differently, but we both decided like pretty early on, we will get through this and we will trust God. So I almost, I mean, I don't know. He said exactly what he said and it was very straightforward, but I almost wonder if they just decided this is where we're landing and we're not going to 
go to the left or right of that. I'm my personality is a little more comfortable with like middle ground gray questioning, and still that doesn't mean God isn't good. Mm-hmm. But he definitely would like. So that was, I mean, and here's a man who has known deep, deep sorrow That's right. and is landing on the goodness and the providence of God. So anyway, that we could talk about forever. I talked to him for 45 minutes, but those were some of the things that really, that really stood out to me. You can listen over at my podcast, nothing is wasted.com. That'll be out probably in a few weeks. But I did think, do we really believe God is sovereign and do we live like we do is kind of the question that I was I left with. I think we all, I know we need to go. I, yeah. We all believe God is sovereign. He believes God is sovereign to an uncomfortable point. I, I'm not saying is wrong. I'm not saying is wrong Right, at all. but it challenges you, doesn't it? Yes. It's like, ooh, yes. ooh, ooh, what do I do with that? Yeah, yes, absolutely, exactly. absolutely. All right, well, coming up next, we're going to move into some good news territory and talk about fun things. Uh, wasn't all bad. We've got some fun things to share with you from this week. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 